Welcome to the Crypto Altruism Podcast, the podcast dedicated to highlighting the intersections of social impact with blockchain, cryptocurrency, and Web3. I'm your host, Drew Simon from CryptoAltruism.org. Now, before we get started today, just a quick disclaimer. While we may discuss specific projects or cryptocurrencies on this podcast, please do not take any of this as investment advice, and please make sure to do your own research on any potential investment opportunities. And now, on to the fun stuff. Welcome, welcome to the 10th, yes that's right, the 10th episode on the Crypto Altruism Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we are going to do something a bit different and have a little bit of fun. We are going to explore some of the prevailing, often false or exaggerated, narratives about cryptocurrency and, well, challenge them. To achieve Crypto Altruism's mission of highlighting the good being done in the crypto and blockchain ecosystem, it is important to also challenge some of the common and negative narratives surrounding crypto and blockchain. These perceptions create stigma around the space, which can act as a barrier to entry for some and discourage those from the social impact sector, such as charities, nonprofits, and community leaders, from engaging with the space. From working with a number of nonprofit organizations, I can say, without a hint of exaggeration, that this is the single biggest barrier to entry to the space for those in the social impact sector. Nonprofits worry that they will alienate their legacy donor base by accepting crypto donations. NGOs worry that they will be scammed or lose everything if they use crypto as a means to innovatively deliver aid to beneficiaries, and social tech startups fear that they may not be able to get funding because they fear crypto and blockchain is perceived to be shady. Now, of course those of us working in this space know this to be nonsense. While there are certainly challenges that need to be overcome in Web3, as there are in any space, the prevailing narratives that exist around crypto and blockchain are, at worst, myths and at best exaggerations, and thus it's important that they are challenged. So. Today I want to challenge some of these common prevailing narratives and present a more positive counter-narrative. I will highlight five of the most common narratives or myths when it comes to blockchain and cryptocurrency and attempt to shine a light on the other side. First, and this is probably the one that everyone in the space has heard more than they can count, is that crypto is terrible for the environment. In fact, this is probably the most common criticism. Most of this revolves around Bitcoin specifically and its proof-of-work consensus protocol, but for those not involved in the space, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency can be synonymous. While there are certainly concerns about the energy required to mine Bitcoin, this is one small piece of the crypto and blockchain ecosystem, and great strides have been made in the space to ensure mining is as sustainable as possible by using clean energy sources, carbon offsets, and more. But of course Bitcoin isn't the only player in the game as well, and there are other cryptocurrencies and DeFi projects that are highly energy efficient, such as Algorand, Polygon, Cardano, and Solana, among others. At the same time, however, it is important to look at the environmental impacts of the legacy banking system that DeFi looks to disrupt. First, There of course are the hundreds of thousands of bank branches and the estimated 3.5 million ATMs. Then there are the head offices and towering skyscrapers and all the background infrastructure such as data centers that keep the financial networks running. In a previous blog, I highlighted one study that estimated the electricity consumption of the global banking system to be a whopping 263 terawatt hours per year, more than twice that of Bitcoin. Although Bitcoin has many challenges related to its environmental footprint, the legacy systems that Bitcoin and DeFi are looking to replace are far worse. Beyond the environmental impacts of crypto on the environment, it's also useful to look at the potential environmental benefits of crypto on blockchain. In fact, according to the United Nations, and I quote, the negative environmental impacts of cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin has been widely covered in the press in recent weeks and months, and their volatility has also been flagged as a cause for concern. Nevertheless, the UN believes that blockchain, the technology lying behind these online currencies, could be of great benefit to those fighting the climate crisis and help bring about a more sustainable global economy, end quote. In the fifth episode of this podcast, I do a deeper dive into the potential use cases of blockchain and crypto for combating climate change. In short, there are many ways that blockchain and cryptocurrency can, and already are, combating climate change. This includes creating more transparency and accountability when it comes to environmental monitoring and reporting, using DeFi to create more efficient and environmentally friendly financial services, 
Disrupting climate finance and using unique incentive structures and tokenomics to encourage more environmentally friendly economies and putting in place systems to support those most vulnerable to climate change to help them adapt and build climate resiliency. Many exciting projects are already underway today, and the scalability and future use cases are endless. In summary, yes, there are certainly challenges when it comes to the environmental impact of cryptocurrency and blockchain. However, there's also amazing potential for blockchain to be instrumental in the fight against climate change and creating a more green, biodiverse, and climate-resilient world. The second prevailing narrative that we are going to discuss, and perhaps one of my favorites, is that crypto is made up of only a shadowy, faceless group of supercoders. Dum dum dum. Sounds scary, right? Recently, Senator Elizabeth Warren remarked, and I quote, Instead of leaving our financial system at the whims of giant banks, crypto puts the systems at the whims of some shadowy, faceless group of supercoders. This actually bummed me out quite a bit because I'm quite a fan of a lot of what Senator Warren stands for and what she has fought for, and this is way off and misses the mark by a long shot. But this is indicative of a much larger stigma that the crypto and blockchain space is made up only of basement-dwelling nefarious supercoders. Now, of course, those working in crypto know this is not the case, and that those involved in the crypto space, whether as developers, enthusiasts, or simply investors, come from all walks of life. There are millions of individuals all over the world involved in Web3, with the top 20 countries in Chainalysis' Global Crypto Adoption Index representing all continents but Oceania, and of course, Antarctica. There are also hundreds of charities and nonprofits accepting cryptocurrency donations to support their social causes, including massive organizations such as UNICEF, Save the Children, and the American Cancer Society. There are also dozens of top-tier universities offering courses in blockchain and crypto, including but not limited to MIT, Cornell, University of California, Berkeley, Stanford University, Harvard University, Columbia University, and many, many more. There are also thousands of developers working on thousands of projects, many with a social impact focus to help create a more fair and equitable world. Oh, and if those in the space are truly just a bunch of shadowy supercoders, then there are some damn generous shadowy supercoders. In fact, one study found that almost half of cryptocurrency owners donated 1,000 or more to charity in 2020, compared to only about one-third of the investor population as a whole. This was only reinforced recently during Crypto Giving Tuesday, with those in the crypto community coming out in droves to support their favorite charitable causes. In fact, according to the Giving Block, the average crypto gift on Crypto Giving Tuesday was a whopping $12,600, or 98.4 times higher than the nonprofit industry's average donation size. So yeah, I'm going to say a big no to the myth that crypto is made up of a shadowy, faceless group of supercoders. On to the next one. Narrative number three, crypto is the currency of criminals. One of the most common criticisms of cryptocurrency is that it is the currency of criminals. Jamie Dimon, CEO of JP Morgan Chase, the biggest bank in the US, famously said, and I quote, if you were in Venezuela or Ecuador or North Korea or a bunch of parts like that, or if you were a drug dealer or a murderer or stuff like that, you're better off doing it in Bitcoin than US dollars, end quote. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, when referencing terrorist financing, stated, and I quote, the technologies to accomplish this change over time and we need to make sure that our methods for dealing with these matters with tech terrorist financing change along with changing technology, cryptocurrencies are a particular concern. So, is there truth behind this? Are cryptocurrencies really the go-to financial tools for criminals? Without a doubt, there are examples of cryptocurrencies being used for nefarious purposes, such as payments for ransomware attacks and to launder dirty money. This is unavoidable, as it is with any currency. I mean, criminal activity happened before crypto existed and had no problem operating in national currencies such as the US dollar for decades, if not centuries. Many of the critics of Bitcoin have themselves been involved in dirty money. Let's take HSBC, for example, the sixth largest bank in the world. Back in March 2021, HSBC banned their account holders from purchasing MicroStrategy stock, highlighting their distaste for cryptocurrency and securities that derive value from them. What's interesting is that HSBC has a well-documented history of profiting off of money laundering schemes for drug kingpins. The point here is that it is easy for big bank CEOs or government officials to trash talk cryptocurrency for their ability to facilitate illegal financial transactions 
while conveniently leaving out the fact that many legacy financial institutions have themselves participated in billions, if not trillions of dollars worth of dirty money transactions in the past. But this isn't about whataboutism, so let's look at the facts. How much of cryptocurrency activity actually goes towards criminal transactions? One report found that 2.1% of all cryptocurrency transactions in 2019, or roughly $21.4 billion worth, were for criminal purposes. This number fell to 0.4%, or $10 billion, in 2020. Now, in comparison to the US dollar, one estimate by economist Ken Rogoff, who it turns out is quite the Bitcoin skeptic himself, is that roughly one third of all US currency in circulation is unaccounted for, likely meaning it is either being used by criminals or for tax avoidance. It's hard to say specifically what percentage of that 33% goes directly to criminal purposes, but I'd venture a guess that it's greater than 0.4%. I think this is certainly a safe bet given that the UN Office on Drugs and Crime estimates between 800 billion and 2 trillion is laundered globally in one year. Can cryptocurrency be used to facilitate financial transactions in support of illegal activity? Absolutely. Does this mean that cryptocurrencies are inherently evil and should be shunned? Absolutely not, especially when other official currencies are used for criminal activities to massive extents. Criminal activity will happen no matter what financial tools exist. The problem is the criminal activity and the root causes behind it, not the currency. Furthermore, the scope of cryptocurrency goes well beyond simple financial transactions, and the blockchains underlying this technology have the potential to massively change the world for the better by creating systems that are freer, fairer, and work for the people, not the financial executives and their shareholders. There is no point in denying that crypto can be used for illegal purposes and has been in the past, but it would be foolish to focus solely on this while denying the good of crypto and blockchain and the massive potential for good in the future. On to narrative number four. There is no diversity in the crypto and blockchain space. A common belief is that the crypto space is dominated by young white males, most of whom are speculators looking to make a quick buck. While there's certainly plenty of room to grow to ensure that crypto is as inclusive as possible, there are many positive indicators that the crypto and blockchain space is more diverse than expected and is increasing its diversity at a rapid pace. In Chainalysis's Global Crypto Adoption Index, which was highlighted earlier in this episode, the top 10 countries for adoption include, in this order, Vietnam, India, Pakistan, Ukraine, Kenya, Nigeria, Venezuela, United States, Togo, and Argentina. This demonstrates the ethnic diversity in this space and how it is not concentrated just in one region, with one population. When it comes to gender, there is no denying that there is an overrepresentation of males in this space. One study found crypto ownership by males to be nearly twice as high as by females in the US. However, this is quickly changing and another study found that the number of women involved in the space is skyrocketing, with a 43% increase in the first quarter of 2020 alone. Also, there are dozens, if not hundreds of amazing groups, collectives, and projects working to promote diversity in this space through education, empowerment, and the facilitation of connections and networking. I highlight some of these amazing organizations in a blog post titled, 8 Amazing Groups Promoting Diversity in Blockchain and Crypto That Are Worth a Follow, and I highly recommend that you check it out. Overall, there is definitely truth to the belief that crypto and blockchain is male-dominated, but thankfully, this seems to be changing, and the gender diversity in this space appears to be on the rise, as does racial diversity. One study related to racial diversity that was particularly interesting was one commissioned in 2020 by Coinbase that found that, among college-educated Americans, 75% of black respondents compared to 39% of white respondents reported being interested in learning more about cryptocurrency. Although there are some promising signs when it comes to diversity in the space, such as the growing number of women engaged in crypto and blockchain, and the high percentage of college-educated black Americans interested in learning about crypto, the blockchain and cryptocurrency space certainly has a lot of room to grow as it relates to diversity. That being said, seeing all the amazing groups looking to promote diversity in this space and make it as inclusive and open and equitable as possible, I have 100% confidence that diversity will continue to increase in this space year over year. Finally, prevailing narrative number five, cryptocurrencies are a one big Ponzi scheme. There have certainly been cases of scams in the crypto space, just as there have been in traditional markets. These have included rug pulls, pump and dump schemes, and airdrop scams. 
However, to make a blanket statement that all crypto is collectively one big Ponzi scheme is misguided and lacks a basic understanding of what a Ponzi scheme is. Ponzi schemes, by their very nature, require centralization, as they require someone in control who's recruiting new investors and using these new investments to pay out a return to older investors, and so on and so forth. So, to say, for example, that a cryptocurrency that is decentralized, transparent, and open source, or based on a consensus algorithm, is a Ponzi scheme, is, well, absolutely absurd. This belief also ignores the fact that there is not one, but thousands of projects in the space and a diversity of investors which range from individuals with a small amount of capital to large-scale institutional investors. Of the latter, there has been a massive inflow of capital recently. Then, there are of course the thousands of charities involved in the space that are accepting cryptocurrency donations to support their vital missions. There are certainly a lot of bad actors in the space, as there are in any space, and there have been cases of massive scams in the past. But I truly believe that the good far outweighs the bad, and a blanket statement of crypto being a Ponzi scheme is laughable at best. Well that's all for now, and I'm sure there are other prevailing narratives or myths that I miss, so tweet me at CryptoAltruism, and perhaps I'll include these in a future part 2 episode. So. Thanks for tuning in to the 10th episode of the Crypto Altruism Podcast. For more great content exploring the intersections of cryptocurrency, blockchain, and social impact, check us out at CryptoAltruism.org. Also, check out our affiliate partners, and if you love what you heard, check out our website to learn how you can support us. Thanks so much for joining us today, and I hope you'll join us for our next episode. Until then, keep on doing good in the cryptosphere. Thank you for listening to the Crypto Altruism Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on new episodes as they're released, and check out CryptoAltruism.org for more inspiring content.